Mr. Justice, and I call you Mr. Justice because I tell you, you put in the years to earn that. We have 75 years to celebrate with the Justice Brothers at the Indianapolis 500. Justice Brothers have been a big part of my life. That is no secret. Love, though, that we have this beautiful anniversary to celebrate. And as you so often do, folks who follow you on social media know you're pretty darn good at weaving some stories, my friend. This time we get to do it about your family directly. So here we have Sunday. We have this beautiful 104th Indianapolis 500. We need to look back, though. 1936, Ed and Zeke Justice built their first race car not too long after we have some wonderful, wonderful family traditions starting at the Indy 500. Tell us about this, because it wasn't stock car focused. It wasn't offshore powerboats. It wasn't, you name it, Indianapolis 500. It's been part of the, the Justice family's bone marrow. Well, that's, that's true, uh, Marshall. And I mean, really, uh, to put that why, uh, you have to look at it in a historical context. I mean, really a lot of modern auto racing that, that we all enjoy today really sort of came to fruition, uh, after world war II. uh, stock car racing wasn't organized till after world war II by bill France. Uh, NHRA drag racing wasn't organized till after world war II by Wally parks. Uh, road racing wasn't really formalized till after World War II. Uh, and so what was there before World War II, when we're talking about my dad and my uncle Zeke building their first uh, race car when they were, you know, preteen in 1936, was Indianapolis, because, of course, 1911 uh, was the first 500, and, of course, 1909 was the first race at Indy, but the first 500, 1911. So they grew up, like everybody in that era, with the Indianapolis 500 being the absolute pinnacle of racing. And uh, that was their dream. So after World War II, uh, you know, before World War II, obviously, they, uh, my uncle had gone to work for uh, uh, Joel Thorne, who had been involved at Indianapolis. And my dad went off to war. And after World War II, my my uncle was still working for Joel Thorne, and, and, and then he had transitioned to Frank Curtis. And uh, when Joel Thorne was going to put that entry in the first 500 after the, after the war in 1946, uh, Zeke was on the team for uh, Joel's car, driven by George Robson, or Robson, depending on, on uh, you know, where you're coming from, the family. Actually, they told me it's Robson. Uh, and they end up winning the race. And so, you know, what a way to start. So Indy was it. I mean, look at, I mean, to go to Indy for my dad and, and both my uncles was like, are you kidding me? I mean, that's like, you know, summiting Everest for a, a climber. So we have the gravity and weight of the Indy 500. It's also an interesting timeline, Ed, with, this post-World War II return to racing at the Speedway. Jalopy-ish formula, right? Uh, This is something where first years back, there was a lot of do-it-yourself engineering, 
that seems to fit the justice family narrative rather well knowing the history with hot rodding so many other things that really are not about it's a precious jewel nobody touch it it's more of a got an idea got hands got metal <laughs> let's let's create something let's work on something shape it differently use the creativity let's talk about that as well because that was not only the spirit of the time at Indy where uh, your family was really invested in and made this big big debut this is something that I would say spirit wise it's still part of the family today well it's true and and I think uh, not to uh, be funny or or uh, belittle uh, uh, indie or whatever. I think jalopy is actually, when you say that, that's being kind. Uh, some people have re- referred to it as a junk formula. Uh, but it was after the war, and these guys were cobbling together whatever they could. Now, understand, Thorne's car was, was not that. Uh, Joel Thorne had lots of money, you know, several hundred millions, a half billion, three quarter of a billion. However you want to figure it out by today's numbers, he had a lot of money and he had an all-star crew and uh, he, you know, he, he had them do it. I mean, the guys that worked for Thorne uh, became legends. And so that car, uh, that Thorne car was the last car that I frankly have been able to find that the entire car was built in one shop. The transmission was built at Thorns. The motor was built at Thorns. The frame was built at Thorns. The body was built at Thorns. Uh, the rear end was built at Thorns. Wow. I mean, they built the whole car in Thorn Engineering's shop. And uh, that's, that's amazing. I mean, by any standard, uh, you know, and uh, there were others prior to that that did that type of thing. Uh, Duesenberg, Miller, Etc. But this was the last one that I've been able to to find. Now, if somebody knows of another one, I'd I'd love to know because I, I truly would love to give them credit. But but that Thorn car was built all in one shop, so it it was uh, a good good car. Uh, but then again, as we all know, it takes more than that to win at Indianapolis, particularly back in that era. And so yeah, they you know this work on it and no wind tunnel and how does it sound and how's it feel out there? Yeah. Well, it felt good. You know, that whole seat of the pants engineering very much was my dad and my uncle for sure. And so many of those guys back in that era. So if we look at the progression, Ed, we have family involvement direct in Indianapolis 500 cars, teams, right after the war. But this isn't just a story of mechanics uh, and whatnot and fabricators. This is also a business story as well. Share with us the development of the Justice Brothers as a brand uh, with the automotive chemicals and lubricants, which we know have expanded all manner uh, of industry as well. Tell us where these two things intersect because if we look at the 2020 entry list for sunday's race we have multiple cars bearing justice brothers name and branding for the business side promotions and such but 
there's a point here where hands are getting dirty, success is happening with vehicles directly, but there's also the business angle that comes in too. Yeah, and well, so they they became uh, not unlike a lot of people. Like uh, the, from what I understand, if I remember reading this right, Ralph Lauren actually was a clothing designer for somebody else. Uh, I think Tom Ford, if you happen to know that name, and yeah. if you don't, hey, don't feel bad. But but uh, Tom Ford was a designer for somebody else. Uh, and the Justice Brothers were sort of cut from that same cloth. They had worked, went to work as the first distributors for a, another brand. And so at the time that all this is going on in the racing, uh, they decided, my dad being the youngest of the brothers and being the most um, outgoing, uh, marketing savvy, uh, risk taker, uh, you know, just all those things that you might think of when you think of some people like this. Uh, he, he thought that this was just such a golden opportunity uh, to sell a product that wasn't even heard about 10 feet from where it was being made, uh, but that they could take uh, across the country because the, the fellow that was making the product had a next-door neighbor who he was holding California for if he wanted to take it. And even though my dad and uncles were, were first, uh, this was being held for the other fellow who decided to take it and became a good friend of ours. And uh, so the next closest thing to California for the Justice Brothers in their mind was Florida. They'd never been there, didn't know the weather, but it heard, yeah, Florida's just like California. Now, Floridians will tell you Florida is not just like California, but, and, and, and I was born in Florida, so I'm a Floridian. Okay. So I, I, they decide to buy 90 cases of this product and drive across country in a caravan of cars with my one uncle who was paralyzed from the waist down from an automobile wreck. Uh, and, uh, he had been paralyzed for a number of years at that point, laying on top of, of cases of oil on a blanket <laughs> in the back of a Woody. And he, wow. he darn near died on the trip back because <sighs> if you know anything about uh, paraplegics or quadriplegics, one of the things that that, that condition constantly uh, gives these people is the possibility of infection. Yeah. And it's a real issue. And so... Uh, my my uncle got an infection, and they thought they were going to lose him. I mean, they really did. And But he was game. I mean, and so, you know, it's funny. I was on a phone call uh, yesterday evening with Dale Inman, uh, Richard Petty's, you know, cousin and crew yeah. chief and one, one of the all-time guys. And he go, and he, he's reading the book, and he goes, man, those boys, 90 cases of product, blowing tires, going across the country. And, and I go, you know – Dale, it was the naivete of youth. I mean, they just didn't see failure as an option. And, and, and at the same time, my mom was six months pregnant. And they're moving across country, don't have a home, don't have any savings. They've got this product and they got a dream. And so when they got down there, they, they worked their rear end off. And, and then over a period of years, that morphed into, while they were still with that company, they invented the first transmission stop leak. And they originated a lot of products. Uh, this 
I guess Yankee ingenuity, to use a term that was used a lot, uh, was part of their their program. And so, you know, that morphed into the Justice Brothers brand uh, and, and where we are today. Of course, there's been a lot of hard heartaches and hardships and battles and ups and downs. And, you know, it's like anything in life, uh, you know, a, a lot a lot of stuff is uh happened on the way to uh, where we are today but but to mention about our involvement with the race cars and all and as you know marshall i mean we're involved in all forms of racing and we have been forever uh we it's it's we we look at it as a twofold thing uh yeah it does get our name out there but really more importantly to us it's not forgetting our roots and because we, it all started with a race car for the Justice Brothers and our family, and there were two significant race cars. But at both times, they were just a race car. That first race car they built, well, that planted the seed. the The next race car that uh, they uh, built as their own when they were working at Curtis Craft, and they sold to make. Uh, part of the a great part of the seed money to buy that oil to go into business. Well, that started with a race car, and you know we've never wanted to lose sight. And it's very important to me to never lose sight of where we came from. And so, you know, while we pay it forward, we want to pay it back too. And racing, you know, to borrow a famous baseball line, racing has been very, very good to us. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just. We, we've always considered ourselves to be racers. Uh, you know, I, 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 like I tell people, I say, look, it, I own a suit, but I don't consider myself a suit. I wear a suit when I have to. But there's a difference between wearing a suit and being a suit. And there are a lot of people in, in the automotive industry and, and racing world, for that matter, that are clearly suits. They don't really get what it is that we do. Uh, they just don't relate to it the same way somebody like you or me or, you know, a multitude of your listeners, because uh, obviously they're engaged or they wouldn't be listening to this right now. We get it. You know, we as a collective group, we get it. I mean, this is our passion. A lot of people in our industry, I hate to say it, but they just happen to think, hey, this is a great place to work. And, you know, hey, I like it, but they maybe don't, and a lot of them don't have the passion that uh, we do, meaning all of us collectively, or that we would wish they would have. And so we racing, is it, it has been very good to us, and we've never wanted to forget that. So you move into sponsorship as well. I believe 49 or so, if I remember the, the timeline correctly, right. Ed. So we have this, again, this pretty amazing, I don't want to say pivot, because, again, this is a very hands-on family, but there's a real marketing value here as well. And this, I would say, is such a rich tradition for the Justice family as well. And we'll get into some of the the personal stuff on that um, with how you helped, were one of a, a few key people to help save a team that I was working for. Uh, and managing at the Indy 500 not so long ago. But tell us about the family history moving into the sponsorship side, Ed, because uh, the, this is 
This is not a random thing. This isn't the, all right, well, who's the big team of the day? We're going to run to them first. There's always been some artful decision-making on who exactly you felt was best to partner with. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, I as far as the pivot to sponsorship, I mean, the credit for that has to go to my dad. My dad was really, in that respect, a visionary. Uh, you have to understand uh, that sponsoring a race car in that era was not uh, really popular, and it really wasn't done, uh, which is why then they were able to become the first sponsors in NASCAR for uh, multiple cars. Uh, it just it just wasn't done. And if it was done, it might be Joe's service station. Uh, it'd just be, you know, you go to your buddy down the street and you say, yeah, I'll kick in a couple bucks. Well, that's a, that's sponsorship, but that's not really sponsorship the way we look at it today. And, and my dad saw that vision of the way we've gone today, way back then. And I mean, case in point, after that first car in 49, 1950, Frank Curtis sends my dad and my uncle a letter about sponsoring his car, which had run his, he, he, Frank, for a handful of years, ran his own, what we would call house car out of his race car manufacturing uh, shop. And uh, he later quit that because he didn't think it was good form to be competing against people you sold cars to. But at this time, 49, he ran his first car at Indy. He wanted to build and win Indy with one of his cars. And so that's why he did it himself in the beginning. 49, they ran Indy with his car. It was painted red, not not a name on it other than the driver, Johnny Parsons. They win the championship. 19 December 49 he sends my uncle Zeke a letter to our address in in Florida and offers the sponsorship for next year for that car national champion for $5000 for the year a large sum of money at that time uh and so my dad and my uncle went to the company that they were representing at that time and the owner was not a car person came out of the grocery store business, in fact, a little mom-and-pop grocery store, and had no vision on what uh, these racing bums could do to help sell our product. Wow. And so my dad and my uncle cobbled together the money because uh, my dad just so firmly believed that this it was important. And uh, he had the car painted yellow, uh, which was not that company's colors, but it was the color my dad loved all through his life. I can't tell you how many yellow Chevrolets he had when I was growing up and, uh, and put the logos on it. And of course, at that time, Indianapolis was the first race of the year. Uh, surprisingly enough, start the first, the beginning of the year with the biggest race of the year. And, and that, that in a way is the reason why Daytona, uh, you know, with the stock car, it was a big influence on that. Uh, first race of the year, big race of the year. So anyway, uh, they sponsor the car, and lo and behold, what happens? They win the darn race. And uh, the sales of the product, uh, total, total, for every distributor inside the country, outside the country, you know, uh, 
down the street, up the street, everywhere, were about 500,000 prior to the Indy 500. After they won that race, the sales the last six months went to $5 million. And it put that company on the map. And uh, it, immediately around the world, people said, well, what's this stuff? And uh, my dad was 29 years old at that time. And so uh, even though this isn't indie related, it is a rather amazing thing. They went down uh, to Darlington and they sponsored a, a, a unbelievable amount of cars in that like 70 car field for the first 500 mile uh, NASCAR race. And one of them was Johnny Mance. And they were the only sponsor on the car, just like the Curtis car. And Johnny Mance becomes the first winner of the first 500-mile NASCAR race uh, with Justice Brothers paid for sponsorship on the car. And, again, my dad's only 29, and they've won the 500-mile IndyCar race and the 500-mile NASCAR race. And, and I jokingly say, so now what do I do? <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Wow. And this is where I love the – what I love about this, Ed, is this is the proverbial spark that starts to slowly burn, become an ember. This fire starts to build for the Justice Brothers. So looking at this 46 victory, amazing. We look at 49 in the sponsorship itself. Things start to take off, and they start to take off pretty quickly uh, at this point here where uh, whether it's Curtis and all the success there, we move into the 60s, right? And we look at A.J. Watson, holy cow, right? Uh, Indy 500 win after win, uh, Foyt, (laughs) Foyt's and such uh, in the 70s and whatnot. This is, we're just talking richness, Ed. You know me. I'm not I'm not a fan. We don't do we don't do ads on the podcast uh that you thankfully sponsor, but we don't, you know, we, you and I had that conversation in the very beginning. No, we're not going to beat people over the head and with some slickly produced nonsense. We want to be authentic in what we do, tell folks what we do, but let the work and the quality be the thing that attracts their interest. It's not going to be big, slick marketing campaigns, uh, and that's not, that's never been, uh, to my knowledge, the approach with all these associations with so many amazing people, you know, whether it's drivers or teams, uh, Freddie Agabashian, obviously, Jim Rathman, the Granitelli's, Buddy Lazier, Kinzer, we can go on and on and on. There's so many folks that have received uh partnership with you and your family uh going back so many decades i just have a, a an immense fondness for the fact that there has always been an approach based on racers working with racers and that has been the underpinning not madison avenue what's the big hype campaign we can put around something that is you know, maybe memorable for a minute, but empty calories and disposable. Maybe that's something you could speak about, Ed, because I firmly believe the reason we're talking about Foyts and Watsons and so many different names 
that are Indy 500 winners and legends is this resonating, this truth and how you and your family have approached things. That truth has resonated with them because if it didn't, we'd be talking about a lot of folks who finished 20th or worse at the Indy 500 over the years because those are the only folks who would listen to you. Yeah, well, you know, look at, I mean, <clears throat> I think, uh, Marshall, you, you remember, I think it was 97 when we, when we, uh, 98 with, uh, yeah, 98. Is that what it was? Okay. 98. Uh, and I think you'll remember that, uh, my daughter Courtney and I, uh, you know, she was there with me and, uh, we, we were in the garage there with you guys. And when we, when we worked that deal with you guys, we basically lived in the garage with you. I mean, it wasn't a matter of we wrote a check and then, okay, guys, uh, you got the logo on the car. You got the product here. You're going to use the product. Okay. Uh, and we'll see you later. Okay. I mean, I think you remember we're all in, I mean, uh, we, we try to work with, first of all, people we really like. Uh, and you know, I've, I've always told people when it comes to, to the Indy 500, just to use it as an example, there's 33 cars in the race. There's only, only going to be one winner. I mean, you know, 33 to one is better odds than the lottery, but still are not great. I mean, there's 32 chances you're not going to win. And, uh, when you're, when you're sponsoring a car, uh, you know, wow, good luck with that. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I mean, cause some, I, I always love these people that told me, they tell me, uh, you know, you should have sponsored such and such. He won. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, next year you tell me who's going to win and let's put down a really big bet. And, uh, let's see how sure you are about picking that winner, uh, big boy for next year. Uh, cause you know, people at Monday morning quarterback. And so I've always told people, I said, look at the 32 cars that don't end up in victory lane, I don't see those as losers. I never have. Uh, I, I see every car that starts that race, even the first car that goes out, because there's got to be a first car that goes out, and you just don't know who that might be, and you don't know for what reason. That program still is a winner to me, uh, because it's more than just what happened for those X number of laps on the track. And so we've always taken the approach that it's, it's not a matter of just winning the race to make the program worthwhile. Uh, it's great. Hey, I mean, it's great. I mean, it, it, I, I got to tell you, it's been unbelievable to be on the Wayne Taylor IMSA Cadillac sponsored by Konica Minolta and be in victory lane at the Rolex 24 for the last three out of the four years. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Uh, but I will tell you that I've had just as much fun. Now, Wayne wouldn't <laughs> agree with this, and you know Wayne, and, he, and he'd go, are you nuts? Uh, for me, it's just as much fun when they don't win the race, but they put in a, an unbelievable effort, meaning I, I just look at it differently. But I, and I appreciate where a guy like Wayne Taylor is coming from, too because it's a whole different viewpoint. So everybody we've worked with, uh, and look at, and we picked people obviously many times that, that we, we think are going to have a good shot. And we also partner again with people that we think are a good marriage, uh, because it's gotta be a good, good marriage. And I mean, young guys, uh, veterans, uh, 
you know, I mean, you know, I mean, look at Dreyer Reinbold, uh, one of the teams, and Meyer Shank. Or those are the two teams we're working with this year. Dreyer Reinbold. I respect those guys because they have a great history themselves at the Speedway. And and we worked with them back in the 90s originally, and we've been with them a number of times. And obviously, uh, Sage Karam and J.R. Hildebrand are both really good drivers and great guys. Uh, Meyer Shank, it's a tremendous program. And, you know, we partner now with them both in the IMSA Acura cars and in the Indy program, and Jack Harvey, a great talent himself. So, uh, but you know what? We want to have fun. We still want to have fun in racing, uh, and I don't want it to be the business side. Uh, the minute it goes to the business side, the fun starts to diminish. And so, I, to me, I'm just all about let's go there. We're going to give it our best shot. I, you know, I mean, who the heck goes to run in the Indy 500 and doesn't go thinking we'd love to win this thing? I mean, everybody wants to win the race. And uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I feel they all, all, you know, obviously some have better chances than other. And, and obviously people get snake bit at Indy. I mean, look at Roger Penske this year. Uh, not as bad as the year they didn't qualify, but that's Roger Penske, the all-time unbelievable record setter at the darn race. So that's that's one of the fun things about the race. And, you know, to add one thing, and I don't want to be too long on this uh, particular answer, but to add one thing, uh, somebody asked me the other day, what, what's really special? I said, you know, next to winning the race, when you lead that race, that's pretty darn special. And obviously winning the pole is special, but when you lead the race and you, in, in 98, we led the race. 18 laps. That's right, buddy. And let me tell you something. Every time that car came by and it was leading the race, I looked at the people who were with me and I said, do not take this for granted. This is something to really enjoy right now and remember because of 33 cars to get to lead this race, that's special, buddy. And, and you know, we did it a few years ago again in 2016 with Townsend Bell when he and Ryan Hunter Ray were, were really the uh, class of the field. Uh, and then, you know, of course, they had that pit incident. But And then who ends up winning? One of their teammates. But, I mean, uh, I, I thought 2016, uh, again, I thought, boy, we really have a good chance. But it's not over. Till it's over, and we know <laughs> we know how that works. <laughs> well, let me do a little bit of embarrassing stuff here, so please, please uh, don't object. But so, nineteen ninety-eight. I've shared the story a couple times, but this is just a perfect place to retell it in a little bit deeper form. Nineteen ninety-eight. We have a good open to the Indy Racing League season. Our Thomas Knapp Motorsports General Racing Indy Lights team with Greg Ray. We stepped up to the IRL. Had a sponsor come on board for Phoenix, and they spent decent money, right? It wasn't a small amount. It was a decent money primary sponsor, and it they sponsored some hoardings next to the track. There's some big signage that they paid for, and we know that wasn't cheap. So all demonstrations, Ed, going into the 98 Indy 500 was, hey, we've got a new sponsor. 
They're real. They're spending real money, primary sponsor level with us. They say they're going to continue sponsoring us, be our primary for the Indy 500. We are waiting for that significant six-figure check to arrive, but we are preparing everything at the shop to dispatch the car and the team and everybody from Northern California out for the month of May. And we aren't quite getting that check yet, but the guy, the CEO, is calling us and says, oh, it's, it, it'll be there. Trust me. Everything's good. We're thinking the guy lived up to everything and more in our first go-around. How could he not do that here? Well, he didn't. That's a, uh, it's a familiar story in motor racing. Uh, guy lied. Guy had no intention of actually following through. And we, being somewhat naive, wanting to go back for our second Indy 500, sent the truck, sent the people, and just tried to stand on faith that the guy was real. We get to Indianapolis, where we had one motor. We had a second motor, but it was used and pretty tired in need of a rebuild. The other one we knew was good, but we didn't want to wear that out because we knew we didn't have any money, Ed. And all of a sudden, before practice starts for the 98500, we confirm we have no money. We have zero dollars. So all we can do is try and roll out, do a little bit of lapping here or there in the hope that we find some sponsorship. But we need to at least get in some laps before qualifying and just see if we're got anything and we did the this all black car sponsor free was quick 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 but we did not have the money to keep running and we're seriously having to consider are we heading home are we leaving here before we even get to qualifying weekend decide to push through ended up qualifying second with (laughs) no money on fumes basically and What's one of the very first phone calls that we get? It's from you. And so here's just a little character thing to share. When a team has lost not just a sponsor, but everything, and you have a bare naked car qualifying for the Indy 500, that could be an opportunity where sponsors might treat that like a carcass that they can pick over. Uh, a business where you can maybe uh, get that thing for pennies on the dollar. And so we got some of those calls. Hey, uh, we're willing to sponsor you. Okay, how much? Well, we want a massive amount of space on the car, and we'll give you peanuts for it. And trust me. Uh, And funnily enough, Ed, we had some folks who paid for an incredibly small amount of space, and the dollar amount befitted that small space. And they acted like they had just signed a 10-year deal, $100 million sponsorship and wanted every moment of our time and to be treated like royalty. Funnily enough, there were very, very few people that I recall of the many who came forward who said, hey, love your story. You guys are the underdog of this year's race. Know you're going through some hard times. Read about it. You don't in, in typical ed justice jr fashion you don't have to go you don't have to run me through the whole story i know it i understand it i've been there myself tell me how we can help and we will help to the best of our financial ability and we're not obviously not going to talk dollars but i can tell folks because you and i were the ones who did the deal it was a real amount of money 
and it was really, truly helpful. And it set some things in motion where we could say, hey, the Justice Brothers, a renowned brand in our world, in the automotive world, in the racing world, especially the Indy 500, they're on board. And you can see by the size of the logos that this is a real investment they're making. They believe in us. That meant something, Ed. There were other sponsors who came on board who mentioned that there was a sense of security there, uh, that you were a part of things. And so knowing that you were uh, seemingly one of the first or second uh, people on the phone after we qualified and saw that we actually went forward to qualify to try and take part in the race, you reacted to that immediately, called what were not in let me see what I can whittle them down to. Let me try and get the most for the least. It was never a part of your approach, and we didn't know each other really. Um, and the deal we ended up doing was real money that made a real difference, and it set a lot of other things in motion. Obviously had a rough day come race day. Car was, <laughs> I think, if the car had ever been upside down, even the, the underside was filled with sponsorship. I mean, a lot of folks came on board. But very few of them uh, treated us like you and your family did and let us know that you weren't just there because there was a bargain to be had. It said so much uh, about you and your family and how you do business. That's why two years ago, whatever it was, as my podcast is starting to pick up, and you and I have always you know, stayed in touch and, and been friendly, obviously, but... Uh, when podcast is starting to pick up and reached out to you, I said, this is not going to be a huge thing. I can't guarantee you I'm going to sell mil- help you sell millions of dollars of product, but I'd love to work with you again because I know you and I trust you, and you look at relationships as partnerships and partnerships as relationships. This is not something where you're just trying to figure out marketing return on investment maximization it's hey is this something good we could do that benefits the two of us and we enjoy it as well well then let's uh let's do this again so it's 1998 all over again well you know i mean my memory of that whole whole deal is is nothing but positive and and it's and it's not because i'm just here uh talking to you on the podcast i mean it truly was fun and i mean the the I, I've learned a long time ago that I, I love a underdog. I really do. And, and, uh, you know, any, any, uh, fool, if they've got it, can throw a lot of money at a problem and maybe end up with a good result. Uh, and I say maybe because I've seen a lot of fools throw a lot of money at a problem and, and still end up with a bad result. And we've seen that at Indianapolis and other forms of racing, but, I, I love when people come in with not much and battle against people that have much more and they do well. I, I mean, I just love that. I mean, to me, that just sends a, a message of hope to other people that, you know, gosh, I wonder if I could do that. And I love that because I love to to dream, and I've seen this. I mean, look at this is the dream of our family, and I've seen this so many times in my life that people that are are willing to work and dream big, and and use their head 
achieve great things. And uh, you guys, you had that pit box area that had dollar bills taped all over it and everything. It was just, you know, it was just so much fun. And, and you know, when you talk about not a good result or whatever, all I remember is leading the race. That's all I remember. Starting on the front row, in the middle of the front row, and leading the race. And you know what? For me, my ticket got punched, and I was good. I mean, I, 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 again, I didn't look at, well, we didn't end up in victory lane. Eh, whatever, man. They knew we were here. And uh, you guys, they knew you were there. And, I mean, when, when the car was hooked up, it was hooked up. And it was running. And so, you know what, that's my memory of it. And, and, uh, and I'm good with that because having been around as much racing as I have, I think that's a darn good memory. It, it, it ranks up there with as any other ones. I mean, uh, you know, so yeah, no, that was great. That was a, that's a, just a great chapter. You guys, uh, you know, you really cobbled together that thing and, Hey, look at when it comes to losing sponsors like that, I mean, my gosh, some big, big name people uh, have have been given a check on race morning to find out that the next day that the check bounces. Uh, <laughs> and and, uh, you know, we don't we don't operate that way. We, we it, obviously, if we did, we wouldn't be around for 75 races. You know, I mean, we because. <laughs> We all in the racing industry, we learn about those people real quick, and, and those are the ones that come in one door and they go out the other, don't they? Well, there's a reason we're not doing the, uh, what, 23 years of Roanoke, Virginia's Apelian Technologies podcast right now. That was the name of the company, Aptex, that uh, decided they maybe like rubber checks more than paper, but Let's close, Ed, on this 75-year milestone, knowing that you're celebrating it with both cars, with John Reinbold, our good mutual friends, Jerry Hildebrand, and Sage Karam, and then also extending this relationship with the Meyer Shank team that you work with in IMSA to their Indy 500 effort with the charming, the delightful baking expert that is Jack Harvey as well. This seems like a rather rich way, Ed, with three cars in the field, both Chevy and Honda. You, by and large, have uh, young guns. JR, obviously, this is his 10th Indy 500, still a young guy, though. But I love the decision on who you're doing this with because, once again, it speaks to supporting opportunity compared to just trying to be associated with one of the uh, call it big two or three, or one of the, the sure things you could almost say, you've decided the best way to celebrate 75 years is with some of those underdogs. Yeah, I mean, that's the spirit of, of our deal. And again, we, we work with everybody. I mean, again, you know, like you say, we've been with Foyt and, and uh, A.J. Watson and Curtis. And I mean, those are some for sure, easily uh, more sure thing, uh, you know, names. But I, I really, I, I love these guys that we're working with. I, I love the teams. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, it just, it really feels good. And, you know, I wish I could be back there. I'm, I'm going to be like so many of us. And I talked to a mutual friend of ours the other day, big time racers that got, I just killing me. I'm not going to be there. And, 
And I said, well, you know what? We're all going to have that asterisk. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, for me, it's like, I don't know, 44, whatever straight years or whatever, something like that. But anyway, uh, I, I said, you know, we're all going to have that asterisk. And, and well, you know, I could really probably have, have uh, finagled a way to get there or whatever. With all the restrictions and everything, as you well know, Marshall, I just go, you know what, they don't need Ed, you know, uh, mucking up things and making it more complicated because it is sort of complicated uh, under these COVID uh, rules and all that. And, you know, they go, well, what, what if you win? And I go, well, guess what? They're not having a banquet, so I won't miss that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if I was there, there wouldn't have been a banquet to go to anyway. So, you know, I mean, hey, you know what? Uh, I'd love to see one of our cars in Victory Lane. But, and, and, but, again, if I was back there, you probably couldn't get into Victory Lane anyway. You know, I mean, they don't, they don't want you all hugging and smooching each other and, you know, doing the old Andy Granatelli uh, treatment, you know, I mean, uh, so, you know, I'm look at the TV, they do a great job. Uh, you know, family, we're all getting together and we're going to have a little get together and, and, and we'll, you know, we'll live through it. Look at a lot of people with what we've gone through these past, uh, let's see, what is it? March, April, May, June, July, August, six months now, my gosh six months. Wow. Uh, you know what this me or any of us that don't make the race, how does that compare to some of the hardship, uh, that, that, uh, I've witnessed for people, uh, I, we'll live. I mean, you know what, my family that we're healthy and, uh, I'm just happy to see the race go off. I'm so happy to see the race go off. Uh, I feel, uh, bad for Roger Penske. But I know he'll recover, but I don't say that like, hey, it's okay, Roger. I mean, I really, truly feel bad uh, that when he took this over that this is the cards that he got dealt. Uh, but you know what? We're looking towards next year, and uh, we've got that to look forward to. Another thing I should mention before we say farewell, Ed, is the Justice Brothers, obviously built off of uh, Ed and Zeke and their Fine, fine work here going back 75 years at the Speedway. There's that beautiful family last name and its formation as a business as brothers. Your daughters, your wife, uh, some of the, the most active and influential folks in the company happen to be the uh, the Justice Sisters, the Justice, you name it. So while we certainly have a company name, uh, with its original foundation from uh, quite some time ago, we should also acknowledge and honor the fact that the women of the Justice family, uh, they are indeed steering this towards the future. No, and I really appreciate you mentioning that, Marshall, because it's true. My wife and, and my daughters are very much involved, very much all in. Uh, as you know, Marshall, my wife... Uh, and I and, and our one daughter, Courtney, we attend a lot of races during the year. And uh, they, uh, I mean, look, at, uh, it's not to just uh, sit in the uh, somebody's motor coach and, and eat bonbons, as the old saying goes. Uh, I mean, they we're at the 24. They are there 
just like I am in the pit box watching it, you know, shagging parts or if they say, Hey, could you take this over for somebody, uh, you know, contributing to the team? I mean, uh, we're, you know, we're all in. And, uh, so yeah, I really do appreciate you mentioning that. Thank you, my friend for not only the constant support of what we do with the podcast, but for my wife, uh, folks don't know, cause these are things that obviously aren't public, but the amount of phone calls, emails, texts, you name it from you, just nothing to do with business, nothing to do with anything other than how my wife is doing, offering verbal support, but also real insight as well, knowing that cancer is something that your family's had to fight as well. Um, means a lot, Ed. So, yeah, this is a podcast. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, this is something that, you know, yeah, well, obviously we have a business relationship, but uh, you know, and hopefully our listeners know, uh, that's not why we're talking. We're talking because we want to celebrate you and your family for all they contribute and have contributed to the sport. 75 years at 8,500. <laughs> I know it's hard for it's me ridiculous. to believe. Well, Marshall, I, 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 I truly appreciate the chance to come on and, and talk here. And I just want to, uh, you know, wish your wife the best. And, uh, and I also want to wish all the listeners the best. And for those that are going through some hard times right now, and trust me, I understand, uh, I just hope you keep a positive, you know, mental attitude. And, and hopefully uh, we just look towards when things are a lot better and, and we get a vaccine and, and uh, you know, as we can hopefully roll towards life in a more normal way. So. Uh, just hang in there, guys, I mean, and gals and everybody, and, and I'm just hoping for the best for all of us. 